morning, good morning, Fathom. Hi, beautiful people. What a, a beautiful group uh, here with us today. Um, man, I'm excited about what God's doing here. Thankful that you're here and uh, thankful that you're along for the journey for us. It's just, a, it's just life, doing life together and uh, celebrating Jesus uh, along the way. While they're doing that, let me just tell you some really um, good news. Let me just catch you up. Uh, if you're new here, first of all, we love you and we're so thankful you're here. Um, we, we genuinely hope that it feels like a place that you can call home and grow in faith and grow in family. And, uh, and we mean both of those. We, we really do. We, that's, that's a big thing. Love, love God and, and love each other. Love, love your neighbor. And so uh, we just invite you into the community, into the fam, the Fathom fam, as we call it. And we just hope that you'll just keep coming back and just uh, make this place home, get connected, and just watch what God does in your life. Because I truly believe he wants to do something significant and supernatural in your life and in your family. So we're just glad you're here. Uh, for those of you uh, that have been around, uh, and just to clear everybody else in that's here, um, we're kind of in a renovation process, as you can, can tell. Uh, we've had this going on. We submitted our plans kind of at the mid to late July for this first phase here, and it's still whatever. Let's just keep the clock spinning, and we still don't have full permit and approval, and I'm going to talk about failing forward, and so I probably prematurely said, let's knock the walls down, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we did that. Let's just, I'll throw that out there. So when I do this message and I talk about failing forward, I'm living failing forward. Okay, so, um, and I appreciate your flexibility in making the most of this. Um, we got word this past week, we, we were under the understanding that it would take uh, just uh, like a handful of days, maybe a week, to make the corrections um, uh, in the city for them to review our corrections on our plans. Uh, they came back and told us four to seven weeks. Four to seven weeks weeks, not, not days. We were expecting days, and they said weeks. And so here, here's what I know, though. Here's, here's what we're going to do, and here's what uh, I, I know in this process. One, this trailer is going to be gone. You don't have to use the bathroom out in the, the fancy uh, you know, outhouse anymore after this week. We're going to kind of make our, our, our lobby work and, and just really turn this into a, a really nice industrial look, and we're just going to embrace it <laughs> and be like, we're going for the industrial look. And... Uh, <laughs> And so we just appreciate your patience while we're making progress. So that, that's going to help some things. It'll give us a place to really mingle and gather. It'll allow us to have uh, bathrooms inside um, and, and really just host everyone a little bit better. Coming through a main door, not the side door, and you feel like it's super awkward, right? It's awkward for everybody. So last week today that you have to, to do that. So that's, that's great news. Um, next week, uh, and, and so kind of to make that happen, this coming Saturday, we're hosting a work day. And in fact, we can kind of use it if you have time on Friday. Um, we're going to use some, uh, need all the help we can get Friday and Saturday. We're going to be, you know, doing some mulching. We'll be doing just some, a lot of cleanup work. These carpets are going to be getting shampooed. Our nursery is getting some stuff done to it. So lots of work's going to be happening this week to really uh, make it possible for us to, to get in here uh, next Sunday and make that happen. So thank you for anybody uh, in advance who can help us uh, Friday or Saturday for any length of time. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on social media on those posts or at info at fathomchurchjacks.com, and they'll get you the info uh, needed for all that stuff. And so we're just really excited about what this is going to mean. It's really going to allow us next week to dive into two services 
with full force and really getting a feel where it won't get in the way of our, uh, our marriage conference coming up. And so uh, we're just excited about what God's doing, excited about what's going to happen here in just the next few weeks. And so, uh, yeah, that's probably enough announcements. Two services next week. Uh, let's just take it upon ourselves to invite and gather people to, to celebrate God's goodness. It's going to be a good, good day. And so uh, I'm excited to dive in. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our series, Stretch Marks. How many of you God's been actually stretching you as we've done a series called Stretch Marks? <laughs> Anybody? Yeah, I feel like as I talk to people, like, God's just really stretching me. I'm like, what a timely word that God has set us up on to stretch marks in this season of flexibility. Um, we've really been stretching. And, and I'm going to get into the text here. We'll be going to Matthew chapter 14. If you want to go there in your Bible, we'll be going there in, uh, in just a, a moment. But I really, I would just want to talk to you today, just as your shepherd. Not, not, not quite yet. We can clear that. Um, we'll get there in a minute, guys. You can clear the, the scripture. Um, I just want to talk to you as your pastor, and um, God's doing a work here. Like He's He's doing a genuine work in in your life and in the body. And I think it's really important as we move into the season. One of the things that God is stretching us is not just how we view Him, but it's how we view ourselves. It's how we view ourselves. Uh, God wants us to view us as he views us, to carry the divine vision that we are his sons and daughters, that, that not only that, but we have been called by God. We've been called by God as ministers of this gospel that we've received. We've been called as God to missionaries to our hurting and broken world. And, and maybe you've never viewed yourself as a minister. In fact, probably in your mind, I'm a, I'm a minister and, 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 and you're a lay, lay person or, or a church member. If you view yourself like that, st- stop. And you are in Christ and, and you have been bought, bought with the blood of Jesus. Don't view yourself anymore like that because you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and how to live that out, we're all on a journey with that, Okay. But you are, and so we've got to begin to see ourselves differently. Not only that, but you've got to see yourself as a missionary. And maybe when you think about missionaries, you, you, you know, you think about maybe Mark and Carrie who have served in the, in the field for, for 10 years or, or other missionaries that come through, and maybe that's what you think of. But we are all missionaries called to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world and in our cities. And so as you parent your children, know that you're the pastor in that home. Know that you're the evangelist to your children. As you go into a secular workplace or a classroom, know that you're a missionary that's been called to that unique square boundary that no one else is called to except for for you. And so embrace your identity and calling of who God has created you to be as a minister and as a missionary. I first, that, that's the one of the biggest challenges I want to get out, and I want us to begin to view all of what we're about to dive into in the text in that lens, that I'm called to be a minister, and I'm called to be a missionary to this broken and hurting world, because how many know we've got broken and hurting people in this world? And, and it's one thing for us to be, have an awareness of our brokenness and, and hurting in our own life. But we have the hope of Jesus. I hope everyone in here has the hope of Jesus. If you don't, then today's, I've got amazing news for you. Like, we're going to talk about Jesus and what hope there is in Christ. And so, uh, I just want to start that out. That's not on my notes or anything. I just have a passion to tell you that this morning, that you're called of God. And uh, we're going to do this together, that God's called us on a journey together. And we're just going to take one day at a time, one week at a time, and, and do our part. 
uh, and, just, and just make way forward. So uh, Matthew chapter 14, I want to read all the text, and then we'll just spend some time processing this as we wrap up. If you haven't been with this series, let me just kind of give you a recap. We've just been talking about growth, and that real growth in our life happens through change, and, and change requires loss, and re- loss requires pain. Like it's, growth is painful. And so if you've been going through a painful season, begin to see it not as God's trying to take something down from you to dull your blade. He's actually trying to sharpen your blade to be a minister and missionary of the gospel of of Jesus Christ. And so beginning to see it that way, we've talked about living in the truth and we've talked about walking in discipline, that internal discipline to follow through with what God tells us to do and just as a little way of accountability, how have you been doing there? Like, you taking steps forward to the things that we started at the beginning and wrote down? What changes is God asking me to make? Where, where is he calling me into? Um, just a little, a little accountability there. Let's dive into the scriptures, and then we'll, we'll process this. Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and, and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against him. Uh, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind Um, died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and uh, when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged uh, him to let the sick touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed." Uh, amazing story. I feel like God wants to speak something into our lives about this growth process. Um, Just a little context here. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's fed the multitudes. In fact, it it was probably a lot more than 5,000 people because it was really like like men that were there. So it was plus women and and children. So it might have been closer to to like 10,000 people actually that were there that Jesus fed. And so they had seen this incredible miracle. Jesus has the disciples move on very quickly from this miracle because most time when God does something amazing, we just want to stay in that. And God's always got a next season for us. You, you won't stay in the, in the miracle season forever. It's sometimes it's moving on to a new season where he wants to teach you something new. And, and, and Jesus, uh, before Jesus feeds the multitude, and then after here, what do we see Jesus do? Jesus kind of gets to it by himself. He sends the disciples on, and he finds himself alone 
with God. And I think that's the first thing where I just want to tap the brakes and let this simmer in our hearts as we think about the hard things that God's called us to do, that the places that he's taking us, and we can learn something from Jesus here because Jesus prioritized solitude in prayer. Jesus prioritized solitude in prayer. And I think most of us, we pray, but is prayer a priority? Is prayer like breathing to us? Martin Luther has a a great quote. He said, to be Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Like, it's the air we breathe. And I feel like for a long time, my prayer life was transactional. It was transactional. Like, God, I need this from you, so I'm going to go spend some time in prayer, and I'm going to keep praying. And it was just transactional, but the more I've walked with the Lord, I realized that, that, that prayer is less transactional and more transformational. That it's about what God wants to do, what he wants to shape in me, and the outcomes are up to him and what he does, but through the process, whatever comes, he wants to transform me into his image. You, you ever notice couples that have been together a really long time, and after a while, they just start looking alike? You know, um, I feel like with Taryn and I, as we, as we um, you know, grow older, like we become more alike. It's just, it's just crazy. I, I just feel like we're learning things from each other along the way. And I think the same thing goes, because uh, let, me, let me just put this. I was not a very compassionate dude when I met Taryn. I didn't eat vegetables very much when I met Taryn, and now I like to think I'm a pretty compassionate guy, and I eat a lot of vegetables now. So like we've become, when you spend time with something more, with, with someone more, you, you become more like them. And so, so I guess my, my challenge to, to you would just be to, to withdraw. Like, like Jesus knew that his public ministry was sustained by the private ministry to him, through the Father. He knew that, that what would be done on the outside would be, um, would be sustained by what God was doing on the inside. And Jesus does this all the time. Like he literally went up there, and he was up there for a long time. And, and the more you're with someone, like the more comfortable you can get. And I think some of us, because we don't go to the Lord in prayer enough, we feel really awkward like when we get there. We're like, I don't really know. It's like first date, you know, all over again. We feel like we have to keep having the first date with God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? I feel like having the first date all over again. We're like, oh. And, and just know that it's not about, it's not about time, but it, it is about honesty and transparency. So many of you have been going through our freedom groups. And, and right, it's not hiding when we come to that place. It's just knowing. And Jesus taught us how in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer. How, how did Jesus teach us? Father, just approach him as the good father he is and know that he loves you and he's for you and he's fighting for you. And then it's a lot easier to just dive into prayer. And, and, and so maybe the challenge this week is just to turn down the volume on some other noise. Maybe to stop the podcast for your trip to work and back and just listen for the Lord to speak. Maybe it's to get a, a little prayer walk going at, during your lunch hour. Like usually, you know, you just get there right at time. Maybe get there and get 10 minutes early and just get a little prayer walk. Just let the Lord just speak to you. Turn on some light music and just let God speak. I, I don't know, but, but I know this, that God's called you to some public ministry. And that may not be on a stage, but it may be one-on-one with somebody. And to do what he's called you to do there, 
you're going to need the private ministry to you, the transformational ministry to become who he wants you to be. Mark Batterson has an incredible quote on prayer. He says, prayer is the difference um, between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. Secret prayer is our secret weapon. So just think of it like that. It's a secret weapon in our life. So your, your challenge this week is just to find some some quiet, find some solitude. And I know for some of you, that's harder than others. Some of you, you, you have lots of solitude, but maybe it's not engaging the Lord in prayer. So Jesus walks out on the water. It's the middle of night. It's like between three and 6 a.m. So it's the middle of the night. These guys have been up all night. And uh, he walks out and um, the guys are flipping out. I mean, when you haven't experienced something or seen God move in a miraculous way before, we do what? Like, we flip out. Like, I've never seen God move like that. I've never seen God show up like that. And so it's scary, but Jesus says, take courage. It's me. I love you, remember? It's me. Recognize my voice. You, you don't have to be afraid. I think this really makes me begin to think about the omnipresence of God. And, and, and the reason we don't have to fear is because God's presence, it's in his character. That's why we don't have to be afraid, is, is because he's always there in it. He's always there. And I, I, we, I think we know this in our head, but like in practicality, we have trouble believing this and walking in the omnipresence of God. And, and that's, why G, that's why God put in the Ten Commandments about don't make any idols, but without realizing it, we've made an idol of God. And so we think um, that when we're in the, the, the physical location of the church, well, well that's, where, that's where God is. So I'm going to watch my language here. You know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I kind of clean up when I'm coming in the physical location of the church because that's where God abides. And, and does God dwell in the sanctuary? Well, he dwells in the praises of his people when we come together um, but God's omnipresence, uh, omnipresent, I love what 1 King 8.27 says. But will God dwell, uh, indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven in the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less uh, this house which I've built. Psalm 139 says it another way. Where can I go from your presence? God is always there. No matter where you're at, he is in that stressful meeting at work. He is, God's in the middle, he's in the middle of the stressful meeting at work. He's right in the thick of the stressful conversation with your child. He's, he's there. He's there in the midst of whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling. He's present. And, and he lived this life on this earth to feel everything you've ever felt. So not only is he in it, but he knows what it feels like. You ever feel like, nobody knows what I'm going through? Jesus does. That's why God sent him to this earth is to feel, to weep, to, to feel lost, to feel betrayal that we might feel it. Jesus, God has authority over the winds and waves and, and he is present, ever present in every situation. Let me add to that just a couple of reasons we don't have to fear is because oftentimes we exaggerate reality. We exaggerate reality uh, this isn't the worst storm these guys have ever been in. They've been on the Galilee many times. They're trained fishermen. But there's a lot of circumstances around this that bring greater fear than what ought to be. An exaggerated reality, if you will. 
They had seen a strong wind on the Galilee before, but it's the middle of the night, and let's just be real, like things are really vivid in the middle of the night, right? When you haven't gotten sleep, when you're tired. You know, they thought, you know, in another way, they've left Jesus behind, and they feel alone. They feel lonely out here. Their leader's not with them, and they're maybe insecure about going on. Like, what does he want us to do? Like, we can't do what he just did. And they're tired because the, the strong headwind, they can't keep going where they need to go to get across the lake. So they're tired, they're frustrated, and they're lonely. You want to know three things that'll begin to exaggerate reality for you when you feel tired and when you're frustrated and when you're lonely uh, all of a sudden, what my pr- and this is why groups and doing life in circles and not rows is so important for you. It, it is because I, I, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. It, even if I go a couple days of trying to do it myself, I force myself to go to the group that I don't really have time. I, I force myself to be there sometimes, not all the time. Mine is at my house, so I don't have to force myself. It's coming to me. But um, no, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like, you've probably been there where you're just like, ah, oh, I've got to do this. And what you realize, the things that you, you make a priority, what you feed will eventually feed you. And this, and this is very true. And I think many times we just, the, the reality gets exaggerated. And, and that's kind of what was happening with these guys. Um, secondly, even if the danger is real, we've got to tether ourselves to the greatest reality. The power of God's presence is the greatest reality. Even if the danger's real, even if you do lose your job at that time, even if you do go a month without pay, even if that does happen, whatever you're fearing, whatever you're struggling with, whatever reality you're faced up, even if it does, the greatest reality is the power of God's presence. And we've got to tether our hearts to that, not to the exaggerated reality, because that's that's a natural reality. God is a supernatural reality. Super meaning greater than. And, and so embrace that. Embrace and tether our hearts. And so this week, the next time you feel fear coming on, the next time you feel doubt coming in, just, just begin to tether your heart to the greatest reality, which is God's presence. So powerful no matter what our situation is. Uh, he, he's... I think Peter's feeling pretty charged up after seeing this miracle of feeding the multitude. Can you just imagine that like, just for a second with me? Like what they just went through that night. Like the guys are just buzzing on the boat. They're just like, man, this is amazing. And then the waves start and then they start kind of getting off. But there's still this something inside of them that they've just seen the miraculous. And, and Peter's charged up. He's the most bold of the disciples. And, and here he asked Jesus to do something crazy. He says, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. Like, now just imagine yourself as the disciples on the boat. And be like, dude, why would you say that? Like, you're just setting yourself up to do something that you can't do. You've never done that before. And he begins to, to step out in this bold command. And here's what I know in, in each of our lives. Is that God's called us to greater things than what we can ever imagine. Greater things than what our finite, temporal, insecure, um, ignorant selves can believe about what he can do. And God loves to use 
um, the foolish things of the world to confound those that believe they're wise in this world. God wants to do incredible things through you, but it's going to require some Peter boldness in us to step into something that I I don't know. I don't know if it's going to, I don't, but I know I am, and I know that God is able, and there's that boldness. So I would just tell us this in, in our walk with the Lord, that boldness and failure go hand in hand. So just learn to fall forward. Learn to fail forward. Boldness and failure go hand in hand. It's, gonna, it's not if it'll happen, it is when it'll happen. But most of us, we stay in this place of fear and insecurity, and we never accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish in and through us because of our b- belief that, that he can't do it through me. Or, or I don't want to mess it up, and so we never do anything. And I just want to speak to that for a few minutes. Um, uh, Taryn is, <clears throat> I guess, what is now called an oily girl, which is like um, really into essential oils. <laughs> which she takes that as a compliment. I've always thought that sounds a little bit rude, like just a little bit oily. Um, and so she has a coach with that. Uh, her name is Dr. J, not the basketball legend. It is a she. And uh, anyway, she was talking with uh, Dr. J on her coaching call this week, and we began to talk about this. And I'm like, man, that's like spot on. But Dr. J was telling Taryn that, that um, she was just speaking into her life about fear and, and the letting doubt and, and those things creep in. And she said that most 80% of people make up their mind on what they're going to do in the first five seconds. And so they don't make the decision of, of obedience or whatever they're supposed to do. They don't make it in the first five seconds. And after that, there's hormones and triggers that really start clicking in, and it's fear and doubt that begins to click in right after five seconds. And so just think about this in, in your own life, maybe a small thing that God's asked you to do. Go pray with that person. Go encourage that person. You know, go, go to that group. Like, we're not talking about, like, you know, setting the world on fire. We're not talking about raising a million dollars. We're not talking about moving to another country. Just little daily things that God wants to use in our lives. And how many times in the first five seconds we let that go, we delay it. We don't text that person. We, we don't call that person. We, we choose. And what happened after that first five seconds? We begin to doubt begin to fear all these things. We begin to get let, let in the way of what God wants us to do. And his own, uh, for Peter, his own kind of, um, not naivety, but his own kind of boldness. And like, I mean, he makes very rash decisions sometimes, like five to second, five seconds is diving out. And so I just want to encourage you to, to be extremely obedient to don't settle into a place. And the longer it goes on, the more we're just letting doubt and fear conquer our lives and we're going further and further away from what he's called us to do. And, and, and I hope that we would be inspired by Peter. Not really look at it and be like, oh, well, he failed. Like, well, he should have never done that, you know. I hope we can be inspired by his desire for more. His desire to says. And I think what's interesting here is it wasn't long ago that Peter, just just year or year and a half before, Peter was on the shore a fisherman. He didn't know ministry. He didn't know what doing miracles. He was just a fisherman, a bold, brash fisherman. And what did Jesus say to him? Come, follow me. And now, what does Peter? Ask Jesus to ask him. 
tell me to come. Tell me to take the next step you want me to take. Jesus could have said, no, man, you're good. Just stay there. But it was Peter's boldness before Jesus was calling him. And now Peter is saying, Jesus, tell me to come out. I want to see you do a miraculous. I want to see you do this in me like you were doing it through, through, um, in your own life right now. I pray that this same desire, this same boldness to, to step out in, out of the boat and, and step out onto the waters within us, that we can make um, those declarations and watch God show up. Uh, there's a Google programmer. His name is Cozy Namer, which is just an amazing name, Cozy Namer. And Cozy uh, was like a program manager for Google for a long time. And he, and he, and he put uh, together this presentation for a group of college students, and he was teaching them about failing forward. And I thought they were so good. I kind of contextualized those for us and changed things that were less technology related and kind of took the, the heart of his teaching here. And, and these are things that I think will help us. Like when we're moving forward and maybe we've made a failure and we're taking steps forward. First, we've got to develop a growth mindset. You know, not just stay in a comfortable place. Like, this is who I am. This is who I'm always going to be. I loved Taryn just being up here and she says, God, change me. Change everything. Like a growth mindset that says, God, take me where you want to take me. Remove absolute fear as an option or absolute failure as an option. I have to do this with my oldest son, Beckett, who, for those of you that know him, you know his personality, and, and you probably haven't seen this side of him, that when he gets like a 70 on a quiz, he's the worst kid ever. You know, when he gets in trouble one time, I'm the worst, I'm so stupid, like I hate, no, everybody hates me, and like he just goes into this absolute failure, so like we're walking him through this, and it's been an amazing way for us to just teach about God's grace in his life. Don't get frustrated by those things with your children, by the way. Don't get frustrated by, just speak the gospel into their life. Like, like don't let it throw you, just like it is an opportunity to just shape their soul about how, how God sees them and how he loves them and he is for them. You get to shape that. So we got to remove absolute failure as an option. Become a growth hacker. I love that. I love that idea. I heard this quote many years ago. You've heard me say it probably several times before. I've never met a man slash woman who's not my superior at something. I've never met anyone who's not my superior at something. It puts me in this growth mindset and it connects me to everyone I'm around that I can learn in this moment. So if we have a growth mindset and we're just growth hacking, hey, what do you, like you look like you're just having a genuine, like real, you know, prayer life. What are you doing in that? Like talk to me about, just begin to ask better questions is, is becoming a, a growth hacker and seeing the people around us. Be flexible when your church like puts their bathrooms out there and they make you come inside. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, be, be, be flexible. Like uh, allow the stretching to take place. Allow the stretching to take place. Cultivate meaningful relationships. This is big for us because as we're on our journey and we get really driven about taking the steps that God's called us to do and the things he's telling us to do, we can begin to see people as a means to an end. And, and we'll really get empty very fast like that. Cultivate meaningful relationships. That the person, you're not just trying to get something out of them, you're, you're trying to build a relationship there. And, and for those of you in the business world, in the sales world, this is really important. This is really important. If you want to be, have lasting success in your business, 
Don't just use your employees or the, or, or the boss. Like cultivate a meaningful relationship there with a client. If, if you want to be selling that same person twice as much paper, I always do paper when sales because I like the office. Um, you guys know I'm a big office. So if you want to be selling twice as much paper 10 years from now, cultivate a meaningful relationship with that person. Cultivate a meaningful relationship. Uh, be present. Uh, you've heard this one before. Just being present where we're at, not always thinking about what's next. Just, just rest in the season. Just, just rest in the moment. Let God speak in it. Uh, and then manage yourself by staying focused and motivated. Isn't this a hard one? It's easy to get focused and motivated for a day or a week or two weeks. It's hard to be motivated six months into the diet plan and you're just, you know, off, the, you know what I mean? off track on it. So the hardest person to manage is ourselves. So learn to manage yourself. So th- I thought these are great. I think these are very applicable in our life. Um, one of Cozy's big ideas was not just failing forward, but to fail fast. Five seconds. Like, go, like, let's go ahead and do it. Let's figure it out. Like, let's not, let's not sit around for two years, like, just thinking and praying, thinking and praying. And when God said, hey, like, go, go figure it out. Go take, a, go take a step, something, move forward. And if that's not it, you know, move on. Um, and then just carry that wisdom over. Carry what we learn. And I think, I think we begin to look into Peter's life, and we begin to see, like, what we ask ourselves, why did he sink? Why did Peter begin to sink? And, and it was pretty easy to see that he got distracted, right? He, he saw the waves. He saw the wind kicking up, and, and his eyes turned off of the Savior and his source, and, and he got on the situation, Man, don't we live there? I mean, don't we just live there? Like, I'm doing good, I'm focused, I'm managing, I'm motivated, I'm focused, and then that happens. I was doing good until that happened. I was doing good until this situation happened. And God wants to, to develop a steadfast faithfulness in us that's not built off of situation, that's built off our source, that, that, that brings the whole world in awe of like, how are you in your right mind still? <laughs> you know, how, how are you still full of joy? How, do you, how are you still hopeful about the future? Here's why. My eyes are focused on my source. Peter doubted. He, he got distracted in that let doubt in. And here's the thing. Doubt doesn't disqualify us. It doesn't. But it does deter us and it delays us from reaching the destiny that God's given for us. It, deter, it kind of brings us off track. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that our brains are only wired to focus on one thing. Did you know that? Like, like, like we can multitask and whatever, but like when our eyes, like when we're visually looking at something to focus, we can only focus on one thing. Yeah, um, we, can, we can only focus on one thing. And so are we going to be distracted? What's, what's got our attention this week? What's, what are our eyes focused on? If we can only focus on one thing, is it focused on Christ? Um, I, I love the, the question that Jesus asks him. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When Jesus asks a question, when God asks a question, he's not looking for information and he's not starting an interrogation. He's staging an intervention and, and he wants this to, to sit with, with Peter, this question he asked, why did you doubt? 
Most of us in a situation where we've failed or, or we've fallen short or something's going on, but it's not going the way we want, we usually turn our attention to what do I need to do better to move forward? Or, or maybe we'll take it a step further and we'll say, how do I get myself out of this situation? Rarely do we ask the third question, why? Why did I doubt? And God, Jesus is telling this to Peter because he needs to go and sit with this question. He says, you of little faith, why, why did you doubt? Because there was something in him, that, in this distraction in which he doubted. And, and, and our distractions, our situational distractions will cause us to doubt what the real things that God's doing, the real power of God's presence. And God wants us to draw us in and take us further than what we've ever been before. I think it's of great comfort to know that Jesus reaches out his hand and he catches him like that. He just catches him immediately. He didn't let him get under the water and like start suffering. He he pulled him right out. Like God's grace is strong. Be bold in your faith. Don't let doubt, don't let distractions get in the way of taking the next steps that he's called us to do. Because know that that the enemy is trying to get your attention on other things. And God wants... um, you, you to accomplish great things for his kingdom as a minister and as a missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we've got to uh, be willing to, to cultivate a genuine prayer life in, in private to sustain the public things he wants to do in our lives. We, we've got to be willing to, to step out of the boat and take the next step. We, we've got to be willing to, to focus our eyes to manage ourselves along the way. So our next steps today are are pretty simple. Like, let's get some alone time with God this week. Let's prioritize our prayer life because God wants to do something. When you're investing in that time, you're investing in who God has called you to be. You're investing in that relationship. Tether to the greatest reality when fear and doubt come in and then take a bold step. I I don't know what your bold step is this week. Maybe it's just to be obedient in the first five seconds when God says, pray for that person. It's a little bit out of your comfort zone and pray for it. I don't, I don't know what the step he's going to ask you to do, but here's what I do know. I know we're all on this journey together. And I was telling a few people this week, it's amazing how God just weaves us together and things that someone over here is facing. This person over here is, is facing something similar in their own life and they're, they're going through it. And it's just amazing how we're woven together as the, the body of Christ and, and we can all take these steps and move them forward. And, and I just begin to dream and imagine what would happen in all of our circles of influence, all the places we are called to be ministers and missionaries in our lives. What would begin to change if we really all lived this out, like all of us? Like if we just, one, we would really be transformed and start looking a lot more like Jesus in obedience and submission and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there's a lot of people's lives that would begin to be transformed by our obedience and our boldness. And God wants to do that in and through us. And so I want you to stand today and I want to pray over us. And, and I want to end in a little bit of a, a different way. 
um, this morning. And if, if you can, if you feel comfortable, I just want you to connect with some neighbors. If, if you're not seated right next to someone, maybe just slide over, slide across the aisles. How about we do that? Let's just merge aisles, bring it all in. Yes, we're getting uncomfortable. Be flexible, people. We talked about it. Stretch. Let's come on, come on, all the way in, all the way in, all the way in. Come on, just connect with somebody across from you. Beautiful. If you don't know them, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. Let's just, let's just jump that bridge. Hey, um, I, I want us to pray together this morning. A lot of times we get defeated in this journey because it's an I, it's a me, and we forget about the we. Here's the beautiful thing is you don't have to go where God's taking you alone. He's given you a family to do it with. He's given you a, 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 a body to walk in this life, and you need them, and they need you. And so whether it's just a hand on the shoulder, if you, if you feel weird about touching hands or backs, whatever, um, maybe just grab that person's hand, throw a hand on the shoulder. And I just want us to pray together for one another as a body that we Let's pray that the we, let's pray for that person. Let's pray over this. Come, can we do that right now? God, I, I thank you for this time. I, I thank you for this moment in which your people are gathered together, like closer than what our comfort even wants right now, God. And I think you've got, you, got us right where you want us, growing and taking steps of faith to grow in the body. I pray right now for, for us as a body that we would be a reflection of your goodness, a reflection of your character, a reflection of the confidence that we have in Christ. God, I pray that you would stir it up in your body to live lives of radical obedience, to live lives of radical faith, God, because we believe that you can and will accomplish the good work that you've called us to do. I'm just reminded of the disciples this morning who at the moment that Jesus was crucified they saw a reality that they could not handle that he was dead and they begin to fear they begin to doubt they begin to question but the greatest reality was that he would be resurrected and that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And whatever that reality is that you've got to look down the face, you need to tether to the greatest reality this morning and declare it over your own life. God, I thank you for every person gathered together today. I pray that you would move us beyond our comfort zone. Teach us to walk out on the water, God, and to trust in you, to focus on you. And I pray that you would just have your way in our lives this morning. In Christ's holy name. Continue to pray. You can let go of hands. The sweaty thing's taking place, I know. So um, just continue to pray. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to worship this morning. Um, and I just want us to worship together. Jason's going to lead us. This band's going to lead us. And that God's always been after us. He's always been for us.